Welcome to John Glenn College of Public Affairs Policy Brief, webcast series of informed conversations with policymakers and influencers and public sector professionals. My name is Trevor Brown. I'm Dean of the Glenn College and proud to be your host. And I'm joined today for a second time, uh, something that I will explain in a minute, uh, but with the, the person joining me today is Columbus uh, City Council President Shannon Harden. Shannon, it's good to see you. It's so good to be back. I really appreciate you. And we've had some pretty tough conversations over the last couple of weeks, but uh, I'm glad that uh, that I get to sit down and, and have this opportunity to engage with, with you, your, your uh, faculty, uh, and probably most importantly, um, the folks who are shaping, um, uh, who will shape government and community engagement, the folks that from the Glenn School. So thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure, and I'll, I'll just put my earlier comment into context here. Um, President Hardin and I had a conversation a couple weeks ago about the city's response to COVID, uh, and we are going to release both of those conversations simultaneously. Um, that conversation uh, immediately preceded a lot of the unrest that has ripped through the, the country and the city. So it felt strange to release that conversation and not have an opportunity to talk about the things that are before us now. So I really, really appreciate you coming back on. And so I think viewers and listeners will really benefit from hearing both of those conversations sequentially. So there's now an iconic photograph of, of you and uh, Representative Joyce Beatty. Um, it was in the dispatch here in Columbus and got picked up all over the place. And it's the two of you uh, and there's a police officer with pepper spray. Um, and so it's come to symbolize for many the, the brutality of the police and, uh, and then civic response to it. If you would be willing, tell us to the degree that you remember, what were you feeling then? What was that, what was going through your head in, in that moment, in that, that time? Yeah, so the only thing that I would, would add, it was also uh, Commissioner Kevin Boyce. And so what you had was um, the two, the three highest ranking African-American elected leaders in our community, in our region, uh, together down at a peaceful protest. Uh, this was, in context on Saturday, approximately three days after, um, or certainly two nights after uh, two nights sustained kind of um, less than peaceful protest or protest turning less peaceful at night. Mm -hmm. um, and just rough, rough nights in our community. We all saw it, we all were experiencing it. We were all watching it if we were uh, at home uh, on Facebook Live and all those things, just our downtown looking drastically different than anything that we could have ever imagined really in uh, in, in our downtown streets. And so uh, the commissioner, Congresswoman Beatty and I uh, had been working together that week and truthfully had really, and I might've talked about this in the other podcast, had been um, meeting anyways on COVID very regularly, the three of us just having, you know, conversations. And so on Friday night, uh, we 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 uh, or Saturday morning, seven a.m. that that morning, that this is how spur of the moment us going down there was. Uh, we were talking about another issue, and uh, I think it was Congresswoman Beatty who, who, you know, said, "Well, we should probably just go down there to encourage again peaceful protests, let folks know that we hear them." Um, we thought it was important to be visible and under let folks know that we hear and see them. Um, 
and and truthfully, you know, I, the safety component I didn't even think about. I, I, it was 10 a.m., so you know, <laughs> traditional traditional protests are pretty uh, fluffy at 10 a.m. Uh, and so I thought that that we thought that that was a, a a good place for us to be, and it was uh, for the first hour that we were at that protest. Um, um, and then it turned different, and it, 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 it what turned different was the the um, presence uh police police showed up and again i believe they were coming off of the night before we were working asking them to work 12 and 16 hour shifts they showed up at 10 a.m in the same and this is my opinion and what i saw um in the same mindset that they may have left at 3 a.m in in a tactical situation the issue was is that they met peaceful protesters um at at 10 a.m in the morning um and um and so, you know, we had an instance where, you know, they, their commands were to, to get people onto the onto the sidewalk. Really, for a long time, we were we were working with the police officers to to help with that. They were responding better to us since we weren't in tactical gear uh, than the police in saying, "Hey, guys, stay up on the sidewalk." Um, something happened very quickly where the situation changed in a in a moment. Um, I have said, Congresswoman Beatty has said, Commissioner Boyce has said, it was an excessive move and actions from our police officers against these peaceful protests um, that started uh, this spray. And uh, I was pepper sprayed. And in that moment, I mean, truthfully, um, my first thought was about Congresswoman Beatty. I'm 33. Um, Kevin is, Commissioner Boyce is a young, healthy, he's older than me, but he's, he's, he can run much farther and, and does all these uh, athletics. So he, we were, we're young and healthy and Commissioner, I mean, and Congresswoman is healthy too, but she's almost 70 years old and she's a black woman in our community. So my initial thought was about her, like, you know, she, and she's a Congresswoman, let me, let me be clear. I thought, oh shoot, we're about to have a Congresswoman in the middle of something that is dangerous. And I, and that was my thought um, in that moment. Even after I got pepper sprayed, it was more about Congresswoman is, is here. We got to get her out of this situation. Um, and and it wasn't until later in the day when it started to get around the city and truthfully around the country um, that I got calls from folks. And for the first time, I felt sorry that I went um, because I got calls from, and engaged by Black people in our community specifically uh, that uh, shared with me that they were terrified when they saw that. Um, that they, what they felt was that if they, they, the police, would do this to our three highest ranking black elected officials, what would they then do to me? And what have they been doing? That didn't even cross my mind at first. I didn't even think that that is what people could take away from that. And that um, is the thing that had made me, that made me the most emotional and the most uh, thoughtful and um, introspective about uh, that day. Um, but also that much more committed about where we go from here now. Uh, and, and so, you know, we have a long road ahead of us and, um, it's, it, it, it's harder from here, but, but like I said, I, I'm more hopeful today about the direction of Columbus, about, um, the police force that we, we will have and that we will create together, um, and, and reimagine together, uh, than I was two weeks ago or, uh, when we first talked. So, um, and I'm more committed to that. And, and the reason why I'm, I'm hopeful and committed is because I also know the third prong of that is we have a community that won't let us off the hook that folks are expecting real change and and so uh I, we're in this for the long haul and uh so yeah first off thank you for sharing that um I, i've never been pepper sprayed i have no fear of 
of ever being in that situation. Um, and so I, I thank you for sharing that. So we get a sense, um, those of us who don't have to fear those things. Yeah, but it burns, <laughs> it burns, you know, and, and, and I mean, not to make light of the situation, but, um, you know, it, it, it isn't, I am not a, um, I have never been, I, I am not a traditional protester. I've always thought, you know, there, there are roles that all of us play and I love activists and I, and we, we, you know, we work together to move agendas, but I always thought that my role was to be around the table. Um, and in that moment, what I realized is that there is no disconnection between the black activists and the black elected leader. In those yeah. moments. We are, we are one and we we're all in the same fight. And, um, and for me, it was a physical reminder, um, of that. Um, and I, in, 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 you know, I'm a person with strong faith, so, um, maybe I, it definitely was ordained that, that this was supposed to, to happen that way. So, yeah, thank you, though. So, um, let's, let's, you, you said a lot of things, many positive there. I'm very appreciative of you saying that you're hopeful looking forward. And I, I want yeah. to get to that. But let's start back how we got here. What's your diagnosis um, uh, about the state of policing and race in Columbus and Ohio and, and perhaps the nation, knowing that your, you know, your jurisdiction is here in Columbus and you're an Ohioan. So I, I'm not going to put you on the spot to say what's going on in Minneapolis and what's going on here, but just what's your sense of why did we, why did we wind up here? Well, it's easy though. It's, it's structural racism. And that's why I can speak about it in Columbus in Ohio and nationally in Minneapolis. It's the same thing there as, as that is happening here. And so, and that, that was really an important distinction that I tried to make early on. Um, the protests that broke out certainly were sparked by George Floyd, but this, this there was kindling that had been laid in our country for uh, 400 years of un, of unfinished uh, conversations and 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 really I think we were, we were picking up from in, in that spark in George Floyd what were those ambers were right here in Columbus so um, this is a Columbus issue too specifically uh, and we have to own that first and we have to own that um, for many of reasons uh, we have not as leaders dealt with this the in the way that I believe, you know, we should, and, and including myself, I'm being most critical of, of my myself, understanding that uh, the world was different three weeks ago. What we could say, what we, uh, you know, I didn't go to the, to the Glenn School, but um, I, I grew up in City Hall, and that, that was my, um, I, I call City Hall my graduate school in, in public administration. Um, there was a way that we always talked about police and police uh, unions, and certainly uh, a responsible way to talk about police investigations. Uh, uh, and uh, we, you know, you're trained, you have to be almost that, you know, you have to be the person to tell the public that what you're seeing on a camera or in a video may not be what it it, it seems. And and sometimes that is very true. And, and, and it's, it's certainly important so that if there are legal processes that happen afterwards, our words as, as elected leaders can't be used in a court case against us or the city. So that, that's why we were so cautious. Um, but in that caution, I think we started to, or, or didn't understand that over and over again, us doing those same basic talking points about, well, let's wait for the process and the investigation has to happen. And, and then the process would happen and we'd realize that the police, you know, would, for whatever circumstance, 
there wasn't a punishment that the public would feel was uh, appropriate. Uh, each time that happened, that eroded even the, the public's trust in us as, as the, their leaders. And so um, I think one of the, the things that, that has happened over the last couple of weeks is that I hope folks have, the, the world has, the, 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 the ground underneath us has changed in that there is now the expectation, if you want to have the legitimacy to, to do the reforms, but also to stand up and speak up in um, support of and, 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 um, and rightfully so for the good police officers that we have, that you have to be more transparent about the stuff that folks see. So let's let's talk about some of those reforms. Yeah, uh, you you have intimate knowledge now, a first person interaction with the policing experience, and you've been in the role of um, of governor, civilian overseer, right? That is in yeah. part your role as a, a legislator. What take us through what you see as concrete reforms that you think would make a manifest difference in the structural racism that you described existing in, in policing. And, and we'll talk later about some of the broader um, underlying causes of this. But just as you focus on policing, what, what do you think are the principal reforms we need to be discussing as a community? You know, there, there, there's so many um, buckets to that. I think first off, um, we have to address immediately in Columbus the situation that happened two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we need to make sure that for all those folks who may have been um, uh, ha- had negative experiences with the police, that they have the appropriate uh, um, opportunity to share that information and have the appropriate investigation to happen to uh, ensure that, that, that they feel that justice has been served, even in that, that uh, instance. Big picture on that, we need to um, do an after action report. What did we do right? What did we do wrong? There will be more protests. We're the 14th largest city in the country. Um, there will be more engagement where people come out and um, we need to understand how we get better because we were not as a city at our best um, th- th- those couple of days. Reform going forward, I think that we have to um, be serious about oversight, uh, very specific about oversight. This, I believe that most of this game, most of this conversation, most of um, policing deals with trust and legitimacy. Um, the way that we get, I believe, to a level of trust and legitimacy of the of our Columbus police is to ensure that the public um, uh, sees uh, and that there is adequate uh, oversight uh, of our of our of our police officers, um, the one way of that is an independent civilian review board that has that has subpoena power that has the the, the teeth that that can actually help hold folks accountable. We'll put a pin there because you, you, uh, folks, uh, our listeners will know that. Well, we can say that we want that, but um, that's going to have that that's a uh, workers' rights uh, uh, conversation. So that's going to have to be negotiated. Um, independent investigations outside of our chain of command, something that, you know, for so long we have defended our um, investigations because, and I I agree with this, and I have agreed with this, um, we have some of the best trainers and investigators. Uh, Most folks come to us for investigations, the Columbus Division of Police. That can be true and also can be true that we can't be seen as investigating ourselves. And so that's going to have to change. We, we are going to have to find an outside agency uh, to do our investigations when we're, we're talking about criminal uh, investigations of our, of our police officers. It cannot be us. 
<clears throat> we're going to have to focus specifically on training and not just, uh, and certainly those training tactics that, that deal with de-escalation and dispersal of crowd use uh, techniques, um, but also just community engagement. And that training has to be as much from uh, folks who are not police officers as it is from other police officers. Um, because really this is about reimagining what community safety looks like. Um, another pillar, or our next pillar of that is uh, of reform that we have to do and we will do um, is, is uh, thinking through um, big picture. What have we been asking of our police officers? We've asked them to solve the opioid crisis. We send them out to deal with our homeless population. We send them into our most impoverished neighborhoods and we say, it's, it's on you, turn your cameras on and if you mess up, we're coming after you. That's not fair. That is just not fair. Uh, and, and I think that we have unloaded on um, our police officers um, way too much. And so that's a conversation that we will have to have about how do we redirect resources to different types of help. 911 still has to work. When we call 911, people need help. But the type of help that one gets when they call should be different. And, and that's the conversation that we're going to have, a very direct conversation. Um, it, you know, I, I guess I'll get in front of it around, you know, some folks call that defund, defunding police. Um, I don't like the term defunding uh, because I think it's really about moving forward and what kind of uh, proactive, futuristic, uh, not futuristic, but what, what is our vision for community safety in Columbus look like? And I think that it is broader than, than just... Uh, um, the physical uh, law enforcement, and we will need that strong. We will. There will be. <laughs> there, social workers can't answer um, uh, bank robberies. We don't want that to happen. You know, when there's a violent crime, we don't. We're not going to call um, an unarmed, uh, even uh, a firefighter. We're going to. We need. We need our police, and we need them to have the resources to keep us safe. And then, kind of lastly, I would say, um, I, I, and and all of the, those. Re reforms and conversations, we're, we're going to have to um, really uh, just work on um, how, we, how we bring bring folks together and how, how we really, you know, um, create create those real pathways forward. And so those are kind of the, 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 the buckets and those are still a lot. And that, that's why some things are going to, should, should happen quickly because people have spoken and said we need action now. But some of that is going to take some time um, and, and it's going to take the community building that still needs to happen if we really want to build public safety community for all. So again, thank you for being candid and frank. Um, just want to dwell for a moment on the, the verbs that we're putting in front of policing right now. You mentioned defund, we've heard demilitarize, de-escalation is a word, but the word that I've heard you say repeatedly um, is reimagine, um, and I and I interpret that as not just reimagine policing, but reimagining our approach to, as you said, community safety and community development. Um, so, so talk about that a little bit more. Um, you know, so much of our policy conversation, as it should be right now, um, is around policing, but structural racism is much bigger than than policing. And in some views of this, the, the policing interface with our communities is the sort of the symptoms of, of larger causes. What's, what's your view on the sort of the real underlying 
causal factors of structural racism that we need to, to address to make real change? Well, the truth is that we have we have not, as a country, um, really dealt with racism. Um, and uh, three months ago, it was the last thing that I really did a week before we shut down. Um, I went to Germany as part of a uh, delegation to um, our sister city, Dresden, who was celebrating the 75th, not celebrating, but commemorating, having a conversation, a community worldwide conversation around reconciliation. Um, they, uh, the, the city themselves, the country, owned up to the fact that um, uh, that that their role they played in in, um, in in the Holocaust. They owned up to um, the bombings that happened uh, in in that city that that decimated and killed thirty thousand folks. Um, we as 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 Americans and joined with British uh, folks who came together to have a very guttural guttural conversation and and it was not fun it was not a fun experience but it was critically important because it it, it showed that we we acknowledged the reality of 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 a stain in there and really our collective history <clears throat> the united states has had peaks of that we've had um, moments where um because the people won't allow us to be silent anymore or won't allow us to 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 shield ourselves from it uh, it encourages uh, real movement, um, uh, the abolitionist, uh, abolition of slavery, um, those moments around um, uh, the civil rights and, and pulling out back Jim Crow. We've had these moments where we move the conversation forward, but it's not because we as a country have said, all right, let's take a deep breath. Let's unpack this. Let's understand what it means and how, how, it, has, how it manifests itself in public education, in health care, uh, in, in um the economy. We've not, we, we don't, we've never had that. And so we have these spikes. And so it would be wholly unfair and we would be completely misreading this moment uh, if we make this only about police reform. Uh, truthfully, if we're talking structurally inside council, one of the messages that I give my colleagues is that, you know, each one of my council members chairs a committee. We have a housing committee, we have a safety committee, we have an education committee, we, we have a public utilities committee. Um, I tell them that even though Police reform is 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 is, is hot right now, um, and this is something that we we will that, that everybody is talking about. I believe we have the energy to do real stuff there. So 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 don't not don't worry about it. Like let's work on that. Put your energy there. But if you don't realize that there is racism in in utilities and how we collect utilities and in in and public, you know, if you don't understand that there is racism in education, if you don't understand in our housing policies. So I'm asking my colleagues, take this same energy that we're focusing towards uh, policing and police reform and zero in on that in your committee work too, because it's there as well. And that's the same conversation that I've had with the private sector as well. Um, I started getting calls after the pepper spray incident and after these, you know, Shannon, what, 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 what can the business community do? The truth is I uh, went to college, I studied political science, and at 21 years old, I started working in City Hall and that's all I've ever done. I am, I, I grew, I'm from government. I'd never worked in the private sector. So I can't tell you what the private, the private, I can I can give you some ideas, I will say that, but. But you've got plenty of ideas. But it's better to go to African-Americans who actually work in uh, corporate community who probably have, bit their lip and bit their tongue, just like I have as a leader in government 
for far too long, but in this moment, understand that they can't do that anymore and need an ear, and especially an ear of somebody who has the authority to change things and is willing to, to actually move on those. And so I think that is true everywhere. It's true in higher education. It's true uh, throughout our community. Uh, and, and so that's what I would encourage all of us uh, to do. It's true in our own homes. It's true in our own, own homes. You know, I, I'm married to a white man. We have, um, you know, we, we have to have still have conversations of race in our own homes as well. Uh, and, and and it's not fun. And it's, it is, uh, it's taxing, but it is uh, the work that I believe really will be transformative as we really start to imagine the kind of community that we want to raise our children in. I was not aware of your trip to Dresden, but thank you for sharing that. And it raises a really interesting sort of philosophical, but also kind of tactical question. Um, so you framed it as, you know, Germany had a process of reconciliation where they had open conversations about the harms that were done based on identity. Um, and, and there's the suggestion that we have not done that. Your characterization was, we have had these moments, but I, I, I wonder, you know, I think I would imagine there are many out there who, who think, well, okay, let's have this collective conversation. We'll resolve this and then we move forward. There's an alternative view that you just got to have the conversation all the time and forever. Um, yeah. And, and I just wonder where you come down on, on that. I guess I would just um, wonder if we really have given, of course the conversation is important and of course it has to happen all the time. And, and of course it has been happening probably uh, um, in different groups and, and certainly in the activist community, but have we truthfully given it the platform um, that, that it deserves? Have, have we really, uh, from the partnership to the leadership of Ohio State University, to the leadership of city government, um, to the leadership of um, nonprofits and foundations and faith communities, have we really, um, as a community, sat down and said, these are our, this, this is the conversation, this is the truth. This is a baseline about what happened and who it happened to. Let's breathe and let's pause in that. I don't think that we've done that yet. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that we have worked really hard at the symptoms of it. We've acknowledged that there is this problem, but we've not gone back to the beginning of it and the root of it. And and when you're when you're dealing with it and when you are trying to solve the issue, sometimes it almost seems petty to go back to to yeah. have that other conversation because you're you're focused on really trying to spin your wheels to to, to deal with the outcomes of all of that. Um, so it's not as much criticism. It is just I believe. It, for me, I, it was it was something that I was almost ignorant to completely around reconciliation and what it meant and what it looked like to to be a part of their conversation. And hell, I was a part of it because you know they were looking to us as representatives of the of, a, of the United States who were a part of those bombings in Dresden the last couple of days of the war, um, and we all had to kind of atone for how we got here, and and and, and it was uncomfortable. There was no if ands about it was uncomfortable um and this is going to be uncomfortable uh but i think that it's for the better so let's um sensitive to your busy schedule and i want to make sure that you actually get an evening to relax a little bit um at the very beginning you said you were 
hopeful about the future um, for the city. And I'm, I'm thinking back to our conversation that we had just before this happened, where I asked you about Columbus and its ability to respond to COVID. And you may remember exactly what you said, but in the case you didn't, you, you said, you know, you were very proud of the Columbus way, by extension, the Ohio way. And you talked about how collaborative we were as a community, um, how, how we work together hand in hand on these problems. And that's why Columbus and the state had by and large been successful um, to the degree we can measure success in a pandemic that's still unfolding. What's your sense now? What's your, would you still celebrate that Columbus, Ohio way? Um, or is there a new, um, a new form of collaboration that's emerging? Well, we can call it whatever we want to call it, but the truth is um, that we cannot create the reform and the change that we have to have without radical partnership and collaboration. Uh, we've been calling that thing the Columbus Way for years, uh, and I believe in it. Uh, I, I don't just believe in it because it's it's fun or easy or it's a cliche or uh, thing to say, but I believe that fundamentally, um, to get the bigger things done, uh, you need that. Now, where I think we have a real, where, where we may have, um, where we, we really probably need to, to, to lean in now is that we've always talked about the Columbus Way as the public sector, the private sector, and in the uh, government working together. I think which is what we have seen over the last three weeks is there's a fourth one, and that's just the people. Yeah. Uh, and, and so the Columbus Way won't be strong unless we add that fourth. The people have to be as committed to that type of radical collaboration as well. And I believe they are because they, they want real change, real reform as well. And so um, I, I, I believe that, that, that how we govern and how we um, run the city in Columbus, engage in the city, is very different from any city our size, certainly any size bigger than us. Uh, I think that we are better off. I think that we have uh, more opportunities to do the, to do the harder things. Um, because even though it's not easy, and, and these last couple of weeks have not been easy to stay on the same page. And, and the truth is, <clears throat> radical collaboration and partnership does not mean that we agree and, and all the time. Um, but there's a way to, to govern in which um, you don't score points. Uh, because at the end of the day, you don't score points publicly just for the point of scoring points publicly. That's the traditional politics that has overtaken the rest of the country. Um, and it doesn't work because at the end of the day, uh, regardless if you're an elected official, if you're a police officer, if you're a black male on Main Street, you're a person first. Uh, and you respond to um, people um, and, uh, the way that anybody would. And so for, for me, what I have leaned in over the last three weeks, certainly um, is uh, you know, if there is a difference I have, or if I uh, feel a different way and my council feels a different way than the mayor, um, I'm going to say it publicly, uh, but the mayor and I are going to certainly going to have, would have had that conversation before I've said it. And, and, and I think that that is the Columbus way. Well, President Hardin, thanks for coming again and sharing your, your personal experience and your insights. And, and I, I'm, I'm I'm buoyed by your optimism, but your pragmatism and your clear-eyed uh, assessment of, of where we are. And uh, I, I thank you again as a citizen of this community for your 
your service to, to us as, as citizens. Thank you so much. Thank you for the work that you're doing to, yeah, I just, I, you know, we're going to need all of us going forward. This, I, I told my colleagues today, this gets harder now. Um, this gets harder as we really get specifics about how, how we move forward. And um, uh, we need every voice at the table. We need the brightest minds. Uh, we can't create these solutions in silos. Uh, and that's what partnerships like the, the Glenn School can, can allow us, is opportunities to bring bright minds, people from diverse backgrounds together to reimagine what the community that we want for my nephew, Christian, and for all of our kids, nieces and nephews, what it looks like 10 years from now. This is our moment, and I don't think that we get them often. I really don't. I do think that this is special. Um, and so what are we willing to, to collaborate and work on to make our community better? I think that's the question. Thank you. Stay safe. Policy Brief is produced by the John Glenn College of Public Affairs at The Ohio State University. 